0: The Braves are off to a scintillating start, but they have problems in their
1: rotation, perhaps at shortstop. Here to help me break down the Braves, talk about the news of the day, and a lot of the elite pitching prospects getting called up is Chris Clegg. Uh, we will talk about that on the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. hey everybody welcome to rotowire fantasy sports today You've got fun times with two windows open at the same time there i don't know if everybody heard that in the background there hearing my own voice as uh we were playing the musical intro but anyways welcome to the rotowire fantasy podcast i'm jeff erickson here with chris clegg you can uh, catch chris on twitter at RotoClegg. Uh, that's the f- easiest way and you can see everything that he does uh but if you don't know chris you should chris is awesome first of all he he uh, but you can find him at the dynasty dugout uh he's a co-host at the tool shed podcast uh you you can catch him also at uh, you know dynasty
2: and of course at fancy pros as well chris welcome how are you i'm good jeff thank you so much for having me it's always good to chat with you Uh, we had a good round of golf out in arizona back in the fall and so it's uh good to talk again yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even though
1: I don't golf lefty, I, it's fun to be with a fellow lefty. So there yeah. you get that as well. Uh, we got lots of news. Unfortunately, not too much of it great on the pitching side of things, because that's the way things have been going lately. Tyler Molly out for the season with Tommy John surgery. Uh, you know, this they, they barely the twins barely got anything out of Mellie after uh, the trade uh, last year. Uh, they trade away Christian and Canasio and Strand uh, Spencer Steer in that deal. Uh, everybody can't wait for CES to come up, but just on the human side of Mali, that's it, a tough break. He, he had all the shoulder problems before, now the elbow problem.
2: Yeah, it's not ideal. The the trade hasn't looked great so far. Um with the injuries obviously to to Molly. And you know, he was off to a decent start. He had a 316 ERA so far in 25 and two-thirds innings, but obviously the injuries kind of caught up with him and it just Hasn't been pretty. I will say I do like that it opens up a spot for Bailey Ober and Louis Varlin, I think, to yes. potentially get some run. And I like both those guys a lot. So I think those are kind of sneaky ads at this point with two arms that I think will likely stick because they kind of bumped in and out of the rotation. But I think there's spots for both of them now at this point. And, you know, I think Varlin's pretty underrated. Like his his numbers on the surface haven't looked great this year. But the stuff Eno's you know, stuff plus model loves him. The strikeouts have been there. Like his stuff has ticked up significantly this year. So I'm all over Varland. Like anywhere I can get him, and like I right. think he was like the sneaky Fab ad last week. And if he's somehow available, he's going to go for a lot this week. Right.
1: Uh, well, it, it's like a week and a half ago because I remember Brian Brian Bloomfield, our friend, was on with uh, Scott Jenstad on the Sunday Night Pod, and they were talking about. Oh, we used to be able to sneak him through, and no, he we went for sixty bucks in almost every NFBC main event, uh, and that was you know a week and a half ago when the news came that he was going to get a chance, even before we saw him pitch. Uh, I, I have Varlin in a couple of places, but I'd li- I really want to have him in more. And I was all over Bailey over, uh, except for the fact that he got sent down, and you know it's just tough. Like t- AL Tower's, I had him four-man reserves, and even with unlimited ILs, it's it's tough to hold on to a player like that. Held on to Evan Carter instead of Ober. That was, I mean, and Evan Carter could be amazing. He could be great, but he's right now he's great in double A. Whereas, uh, and I missed out on the fab bidding on Ober when he came back up.
2: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I think that if somehow they're available, it's probably not in most leagues, they're going to go for a lot this weekend. But yeah, I think both have potential to be serviceable guys, even like 12 team mixed and pretty much all formats.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty neutral ballpark uh for the twins. Kenta Maeda probably isn't coming back anytime soon. So I like both Barlin and Ober quite a bit. Uh Tyler Glass now. Uh he had a rehab outing cut short yesterday. He was gonna go 65 pitches, instead he went eleven. Felt mild tightness, left side tightness. You know, that in and of itself isn't great, but when you're coming back from an oblique injury, it's less than
2: great. Yeah, he just stays injured, unfortunately. And mm-hmm can't stay healthy. And I know the report came out today. It said the report from the doctor was good. There's no new injury. He's expected to right. resume his rehab on Tuesday. And then they said make one more start after that. But golly, you just can't trust him at this point. Like he stays hurt. You know, he'll come back and he'll start a couple of games and look really good and then suck us all back in and then he'll get injured again. The stuff here is really tantalizing. I love what Glass now brings to the table. But unfortunately, he's just kind of made a glass.
1: Yeah, Glass Joe, glass now, and you know, all that. So, all the glass puns. We can all do <laughs> it. Uh, and I have many times. Uh, we'll do it again. No shame. Uh, but you're right. And I, I was lamenting on the radio show today on SiriusXM that the one place I have glass, now is about the absolute nut low worst place to have him. I'm in an ale only 4x4 league uh, with three bench spots, no IL spots. And I held on to him this whole time. I don't even get the benefit of his strikeouts when he comes back. So what was I thinking? I mean, it's just, it's just, I was, I know what I was thinking. It's like, I'm advancing the bidding and I'll get a good deal. If he, it stopped, it stopped. And now I've held him for two months.
2: Yeah, that's tough. And I think most people held him. I mean, because it was, it during draft season, the expectation was a little sooner than now for him to come back. And it, it just hasn't really obviously materialized like we thought. Yeah, exactly. So uh,
1: yeah, uh, the, the Rays have a spot for him. I mean, they're, they're kind of, treading water they're down two starters but and one of those is is glass now but at the same time i mean they're down jeffrey springs and that one just breaks my soul but uh you know it is what it is uh and taj bradley is still learning the nuances of five versus six apparently
2: yeah it's uh a weird scenario there with what's going on and obviously the rays kind of look like geniuses because they sent bradley down to you know shift from six day to every five day and he like imploded in his next start it was like i think he yep. allowed like eight earned in triple a and so they were yep. like they look like geniuses but right, and he he was not even good in his next start but at the end of the day like we know that taj bradley is capable of being a high-end producer there's no reason he should still be in triple a in my opinion and it's like why could he not adjust to a five every fifth day in tampa versus in AAA? like he has nothing yeah. left to prove at this point in triple a Exactly.
1: Now the, the one thing, like the one thing I want to be cynical and say, okay, it was all, you know, service time manipulation, mm-hmm. but then why did they call up Bradley in the first place? Yeah. You know, that's the part that doesn't track that doesn't follow very well, unless it was just, he happened to be on schedule for those starts. Yeah. I guess that's the only other way of looking at it there. I mean, when you're the Rays, you get away with that because you're killing it right now. So, I mean, it's, yes. it's hard to really criticize them too much.
2: Right. But Everything but, they do and touch seems to turn to gold at the the major league level at least so exactly. it's just insane what they're doing. Um uh, Max Scherzer uh missed the start this
1: week, uh has neck spasms, tried to play catch yesterday, had to cut it short. Not, uh, that that's really bad, I think. Uh especially considering he missed a world series start because of this in the past. I mean, this is not something that just came out of the blue. This is something that's kind of part of him.
2: Yeah, it's uh becoming more and more concerning that the injuries are just piling up with Scherzer as well and you know at some point and father time catches up with all players and mm-hmm. I think we've been fortunate to see so many of these guys like him and Verlander pitch at the level they have up to in their late 30s yep. and you know it just at some point your body just breaks down the most like the pitching motion is just so like intense on your body and that just becomes tougher and tougher over time I would say I have obviously I'm not a professional pitcher, and I'm, I'm not 38 years old, but I can imagine that's pretty rough on the body, especially with how hard some of these guys are throwing. But I would say that it's concerning with what we've seen from Scherzer and the fact that he has not stayed healthy recently, and he's been in and out. And he just hasn't been able to stay consistently in the rotation and, and perform. And obviously last year he was really good when he pitched. He threw 145 innings last year at a, a still elite level. But this year has not been that when he has been on the mound. There's been some struggles. He's walking a lot more guys, not getting as many whiffs. And then the injuries, too. Like You have to wonder if he was hurting in those starts. Right. Because he just didn't look like vintage Max Scherzer.
1: And that's something he's been dealing with now for the last couple of years. And it's kind of one of the reasons, like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely take Verlander over him because of the health. Oops, Uh, so much for that. Although Verlander, in fairness, pitched great yesterday against the Reds. Choppy first inning and then didn't allow a hit after that. Uh, Really looked good. And for one day, gave the Mets some good news. Then today happened and they got shut out again, which by, you know, a cast of never was. It's like Ben Lively and it gets worse from there sort of type of pitchers. But um, yeah, let's talk Verlander and we'll talk Mets generally here. But Verlander, is it full speed ahead
2: with him now? I would think so. I I can't imagine that you know he comes back at this point. I, I don't think they would have pushed him back if they didn't feel like he was ready. And I right. think they know they'll need him for a potential postseason run. Obviously, they haven't looked like a postseason team at this point, but we know this team will push back up. They'll be in the mix for the division by the end of the season and be in the postseason. So, like they they're paying this man substantial money, and so he's gonna. You know, they want him to be healthy all year, and so that's true. I would say that he's probably fully healthy and yeah, he's just such an anomaly of what he's doing right now at his age is so impressive. And it is. I I think, you know, even if he doesn't post, like, I mean, obviously he's not going to throw the level he did last year with a one seven, five ERA and a 0.83 whip just insane. But even if he gives us a, like around a three ERA, I think that you still got what you paid for, even though he missed some time. And I think, I think anybody would be happy with that rest of season.
1: Yeah. I think you're probably right about that. Um, But it it is uh, it it is funny. Earlier you said like, you know, I don't know what it's like to be 38 man. I wish I knew it would be on the good side of 38, but um, (laughs) that that was, that was 15 years ago. So there we go. But almost 14 years ago, math is hard. Um, Good news. Liam Hendricks is going back to back now on rehab outings. You know, it looks like he's getting closer and closer the White Sox lost in surreal fashion today. Uh, they lost on a uh, walk-off suicide squeeze bunt. I mean, super fun to see that, but just so so, so difficult for the
2: White Sox. It's just such
1: a disastrous start of the season. Lost two out of three to the Royals.
2: Yeah, that's that's tough, and they haven't looked good at all. And, and they could use some positive news at this point, and hopefully they'll get that with Liam Hendricks. Obviously, this is an awesome story to see him come back as quickly as he has. And like you said, the stuff's still been there in AAA. Like his numbers look good. The velo was down a tick. Like it was up in the first start, and it's like it was down a decent bit yesterday, which I think that's something to monitor, but it is going to take time for him to come back. I mean, this this guy went through chemo and radiation for cancer. Like this is a serious thing. And so to even see him on the mound at this point this quick is impressive. So even yeah. if he needs some more time at triple a, I think it's just so awesome to see him on the mound. What a it great is.
1: Story. It really is. And, uh, can't wait. And the thing is, you know, they, they've been treading water with Reynaldo Lopez. I think Kendall Graveman got a save the other day. Uh, but you know, clearly he's stepping right in as soon as he's like, maybe gets one game in the major league level. And then it's back to back to business with him. I would think they said he's going to pitch one more game on Sunday for Charlotte. And then we'll probably see him that started next week. So, uh, not available anywhere i think everybody that when we got the good news that he was going to finish his chemo early that we we knew that okay ju- in that place you had to jump on him then or you weren't going to get him at all so we'll see um but uh hey really really good news there uh we're going to talk a lot of braves with chris but before we do that uh share a quick note from our sponsors over at rival fantasy a new mlb season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball rival fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played and they brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else rival fantasies games include fantasy bingo head-to-head player challenges and fantasy book where users can select over-unders for two to five players with games like this daily fantasy has never been better right now rotowire listeners can get a $50 protected first play that means if you win your first play you keep your winnings but if you lose your first entry Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code Roto-Wire, MLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Also, we are on the Blue Wire Network and we were grateful for that. So grateful we're going to play their ads right now. All right. Appreciate your indulgence on that. Uh, And we appreciate the Blue Wire Network is all Uh, Atlanta got bad news uh, this week. Max Fried, you know, they kind of played around with uh, the start on Wednesday over the week and like, I don't know if he's going to make the start. We're not going to tell you why. Oh, he's going on the I.L. He's got a forum issue and he might be out multiple weeks. I mean, multiple months. Uh, It's more than the 15 days. And we know Dave O'Brien was pretty quick on that over at the athletic. Uh, Really, really bad stuff here, Chris.
2: Yeah, it's not ideal. This rotation is severely beat up right now. And even guys that could potentially replace them are also on the I.L. And not even attractive options, but like Colby Allard and Haskari Yanoa. He had his his moments, but obviously he's out all year with Tommy John and uh, Colby Allard has a strained oblique. He's on the 60-day I.L. And now you lose Freed and Wright for significant time. Uh, Wright said he's going to miss more time than freed will. And the report is freed's at least two months. You never like to hear at least because right there's it's likely more than that. And you know, my fear is I know they said everything came back clean and there's, you know, no structural damage per se. My fear is just he sits this out for a while, tries to come back and then ends up needing surgery. And, you know, they missed miss a couple more months of, of like him on the mound because they waited. And obviously you want to see if he can You know, work through it through rest but it just doesn't seem like a good situation right now by any means and I'm not sure Kyle Wright's is any better because shoulders are probably just as bad and right the the shoulder issues linger around forever and even shoulder like shoulder surgeries you have the surgery and your shoulder's never really the same so if Wright does need surgery it's not a good situation right now (laughs) if you look on roster resource there is three guys in the Atlanta rotation with Spencer Strider, Bryce elder and Charlie Morton. So obviously they have to fill those gaps. They did a, they had a bullpen game yesterday and right. they lost, but, but I think, the, we'll see... but
1: the, the pitching wasn't bad in that one. I yeah. mean, they were ahead at 1.3 to two and then uh, Boston rallied pretty late in that one. Dylan Lee has been a really good pitcher all year. He was in a very nice opener, but yeah, um, it's, it's tough. Uh, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, and they said that Mike Soroka is going to is actually, I think he's pitching right now as we speak at at Gwinnett. So we probably won't see him for at least one more start, but I got to think he's among the options for them eventually here.
2: Yeah. And they talked like they were going to baby him back, which makes sense. I mean, he hadn't pitched in three years, so it completely makes sense to kind of slow play this and really see him, Mm -hmm. you know, work his way back. But, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And the thing is, Soroka is fully healthy. There's, you know, he's not, I mean, technically he is still rehabbing from an injury per se, but he's not really. I mean, you miss three years, you obviously want to get a lot of game action as much as you can, but ultimately he's healthy and they just need healthy arms. And you're right, he is throwing tonight. Uh, They are in the top of the first. And so he's not throwing a pitch yet tonight, but we'll see how he does tonight. So like you said, it's at least probably next week. I was I was under the impression that, obviously, if the rotation stayed healthy, that Soroka was probably going to stay down in AAA most of the year mm-hmm. and then come up towards the end of the season and kind of work out of the pen, like towards postseason time and even give a couple guys like some days off here and there and kind of spot start. But I, that plan has to change at this point because you have so few options. So, yeah, I would say Soroka will probably be up by the end of the month at the latest. But you also have a couple other guys in Dylan Dodd and, and Jared Schuster who have both pitched in the major leagues. But there's also um, another guy who's kind of a, a journeyman in Alan Winnens, who's been surprisingly really good this year. He is a 27 year old in Triple A. Okay, um, he was drafted by the Mets back in 2018, and really just never been much of anything. But he seemed to have found something in Gwinnett this year, and. He's looked pretty good in his starts. He has a 3.6 ERA right now in 35 innings. You know, he's not going to strike out a ton of guys, but he does have about a, he has 36 strikeouts in 35 innings so far this year. So he may be a guy that fills a spot here and there. But I think you're probably looking at Schuster Dodd and Soroka will be kind of the main focal points here in the rotation. And so, I know they've kind of bounced around. They haven't looked great when they've pitched in the major leagues, and Dylan Dodd was horrific there was speculation he may pitch on Wednesday for the big league team but he pitched in AAA on Tuesday it was horrific so right it's kind of like where do you go and so that reminds
1: me of JP France you know kind of an organizational soldier and he's the one that's pitching well right now so he might get that chance because France he wasn't a big prospect he looked really good in his first start and he was you know they called him up over Forrest Whitley because he was the one that was actually doing on on schedule and pitching well now
2: yeah so you never know, and and I thought there was some speculation that Winans could come up Wednesday. He he did kind of line up for that, and mm-hmm. on Monday there was still both spots for TBD in both AAA and the major. So I was kind of speculating it didn't happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if we do see him. And that that name may shock some people when they hear it, but it's a name to at least be aware of at this point. Everybody knows Schuster and Dodd, but Winans is like you said. I think France is a pretty good comp there as to you know the guy that's just kind of paid his dues and. He's looked good. He fits a start like it's on his schedule and he may get it. Yeah.
1: And we'll see, like you get, he gets that good first start. Like France did. You're going to start to see hundred dollar bids in the NFPC on him. And uh, I don't know if I'd be get behind that. I wasn't anywhere close to getting JP France this past weekend when I saw those bids, but then again, pitcher on a good team who got a good result, you know, and, you know, and a clear opening too. I mean, you know, the Astros are in a very similar position to the uh, Braves with really three
2: healthy starters right now. It's a tough spot to be for two really good teams. But, yep. you know, both teams have obviously looked good. The Astros have been, you know, they haven't met expectations. They're still above 500, but the Braves have been stellar. And surprisingly, the Marlins in second place, but six and a half game lead right now. They have the largest lead of any division to this point. So it's uh, they they, but the arms, I mean, they've got to get healthy. They've got to get some arms in there or they yep. could see that lead kind of shrink a bit. Yeah,
1: and both and similarly, both teams have pretty good bullpens. Although not when they face the Astros, but right. uh, that was a pretty bad series. <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, they've got a pretty good bullpen. Astros have a pretty good bullpen, and, and at least in the Braves, they've got a lineup that's still red hot right now. Whereas, I mean, that's the difference. Astros really aren't hitting like that. But uh, we'll see. And we'll see uh, what happens the rest of the way there. But uh, I, I and the problem is they both all tapped into their farm system a lot. I mean, it's a good problem to have. A lot of these guys are on their major league team already. You know, Spencer Strider's already there, you know, and making a b- big waves. I mean, you know, we'll, Grissom, I'm, we'll get to the shortstops in a second, but they don't really have a lot of material to trade right now either. No.
2: I think they will potentially try. I mean, it has to be on Alex and Thopula's list to make a trade by mm-hmm. midseason for an arm. They have younger talent, and that's the thing. The Brave system looks really weak at the top right now because – you have guys that are in the major leagues that, you know, would typically be still in the minors. Like Spencer Strider, you know, he came up, they pushed him, and obviously he looked elite, and so he never looked back. Michael Harris, right. like Michael Harris is another guy who, in a normal year, like last year, he probably stays in double A and then he's bumped to triple and then starts triple this year, even Grissom. I know Grissom's bumped back and forth, but they pushed Grissom aggressively, and those are all three guys that would, quote, still be in the farm system that are higher-end players that aren't. And so the top, like, Gwinnett's not good. They don't have a lot to trade that are close to major league ready. And even Mississippi and A is not great. But they've done a really good job of drafting a lot of talented arms, just younger arms. And you know teams are willing to take chances on those type guys. So it wouldn't surprise me if they package a few of them to try to get some kind of starting depth at some point this year. But like I said, they ain't trading anything that any team that's looking for some – prospects close, they don't have any of that.
1: Right. That's absolutely for sure. And arguably, you know, move, calling up Michael Harris and moving straight into the rotation saved their season last year because they got off to a really slow start last year. They were using all sorts of stuff in center field uh, and Harris came in and solved that problem in, in a big way. Uh, it's it fun. Both the uh, chip carry on the TV side and like the the radio uh, radio side, they love themselves to Michael Harris. And now carries obviously in St. Louis, but man, they, every time he came up, anytime he made a play, they, you could tell how much they loved him.
2: Yeah, he's a very likable player. I mean, he plays the game with high intensity, both on the offense and the defensive side. And he's, I mean, his gloves, so, his gloves saved the Braves. As much as yep. his, good of his bat was last year, I mean, he made some stellar plays in center field that very few center fielders in the league could have made, which, like you said, it it saved them big time. And you know, they were 10 and a half out at the end of May last year to the Mets and came back and won. So, like I right. said, those were impressive moves then just – it just worked out. It doesn't always work out like that, but it did. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's a reminder. They were 10 and a half out and they still won the division. Uh, it, it, things can change. Uh, note to the White Sox, note to the Cardinals on that one there <laughs> uh, that you can't turn it around still. Um, let's talk shortstop. You know, Von Grissom surprisingly got sent down at the beginning of the season, did get the call when Ar- Arcia got hurt. And now he's back down in AAA after not impressing on his call up here. What's the long-term, rest-of-the-season outlook for
2: a shortstop with the Braves? You know, that's a, a great question. You have to assume it's Arcea at this point because he was the guy before he got hurt, and he's been the guy again. And mm-hmm. honestly, they've kind of looked like geniuses. I mean, Arcea's, you know performed at levels he's never performed, and it's certainly a bit unexpected. They extended him through 2025. Not a a big extension. I mean, an average salary of 2.4 mil a year, but still, I mean, they saw enough in him to say, all right, we want you around for several more years. And I will say like, it's, I completely was wrong on the Grissom situation. And I was pretty adamant that Grissom was going to be the guy. Everything that I had been told from internally was that Grissom was the guy and everything you heard Ron Washington talk about. I mean, Washington worked with him every single day in the off season and spoke incredibly high of him. And he obviously coach speaks a thing, but Grissom's bat's fine. I mean, Grissom has a high floor because he makes so much contact. It was never a flashy power speed profile. Like Grissom was never going to be an elite fantasy asset, but we certainly thought that he would be the everyday guy. Like that was what he was groomed to do. And it, the Braves just had other plans. And I, I was, most people were blindsided. There's people in the org that were honestly shocked by that move. Yeah, And again, it's worked with Arcea. Who knows if this lasts all year? It feels like Arcea's been around forever, but he's just 28 years old. It seems like he's, I mean, he debuted at 21 in 2016, so he has been around a while. But still, I mean, he could just be entering the prime of his career and figured something out that, you know, we don't know. Right. He's hitting the ball well. He's got a 339 average this point, a near 400 OBP. I know he missed some time due to injury, but still, I mean, 61 plate appearances, two home runs, like. WRC plus of 148. His glove's been surprisingly, and we know his glove's solid. Like that was right. the point where his glove was always been been fine. And he's been really good in the field. So you have to assume until uh, we otherwise like see anything, like they're going to roll with Arcia as the everyday guy. And I think that he's pretty useful for fantasy purposes. Even at the bottom of this lineup, you know, there's there's use because the lineup's so good top to bottom. Yeah, he's not going to accumulate the plate appearances that you necessarily want. But if you're out of the nine hole consistently, I mean, Ronald Acuna up after you. So y- you have to like that. And then Worked for Michael Harris last <laughs> year, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think RC is fantasy viable. I, I really do. And I-, I think that Grissom probably plays most of the year in AAA at this point. I mean, they've got decent bench depth, and they want Grissom to continue to work in the field. And so he wasn't going to get the reps in the big league club. So you got to have somebody like this play in every day. And I think that's just going to be the case in Gwinnett. And yeah. until and that's an why
1: Shoemaker stayed up and Grissom went down then.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, Shoemake's a better glove. Grissom's a better bat. But like I said, makes the, you know, if something happens, like there's your guy, a defensive replacement if need be. But makes probably just a bench piece yeah. for now. And-
1: To that end, he's played one game really since being getting the call up. Whereas it's and and I agree. I think that's what you should do if you're Atlanta with Grissom is send him down, play him every day, get get those reps in defensively, especially there. So, but it's frustrating, you know, as your fantasy uh, middle infielder of some sort there stuff long term dynasty wise I still would be on Grissom a little bit. Um I know he didn't do much in his short term up here this time around, especially power wise, hit for like middling average, but you know didn't hit any hit for any power. But again, we're talking really tiny samples here.
2: Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. Like I think like as a big grissom supporter, somebody that watched him a lot, you know, coming up the minor leagues and live in games. Like I always loved the guy, but Yeah. I think people kind of took it as that he was going to be like this fantasy stud, but like, that's just not his profile. Like, you know, he's like a 15 home run bat that can steal you 15 bases with a a serviceable average. Like the contact rates are, are pretty insane. I mean, just what he did in the minors kind of traveled with him to the majors last year in the minors, he ran about a 90% zone contact. He came Mm -hmm. up in the majors and had an 89.9% zone contact this year. We saw 91.9. So 92% zone contact. Like, Really solid contact rates. He doesn't swing and miss often. He puts a lot of balls in play. And this is a guy who has a really good frame, like a very athletic frame at 6'3", 210. I'd argue he's a little bit bigger than that. Like, his list height weight. I I mean, he looks every bit of 6'4", plus to me. And so, like I said, I think the power could grow. We're talking about somebody that just turned 22 in January. And most 22-year-olds, you know, they haven't come up and shown that they can perform at the major league level. Right. And Grissom has so yeah long term for dynasty I think it's a good buying opportunity it's a good buy low on him and somebody in my discord was talking about that and I was like I think you can probably wait even longer to buy him because the longer he sits in triple a the more people are going to sour on him right and so by mid-season people are like get this guy off my roster and it creates a buying opportunity because like I said I think that he's going to find a spot with his bat at some point or another whether it's at shortstop or not I don't know
1: well, especially if the team that ha- has them rostered is a contending team. And you, you want that flexibility. You have you f- feel that roster crunch, get a couple of injuries and you don't have any, you know, you need that spot for someone that yeah. can actually play. You know, it's t- Hey, let me solve your problem for you here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, not a bad play. Uh, sticking with the Braves. The uh, other sticking point for them was left field for a while. They're getting so little out of Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna. And all of a sudden, both of those guys have started to heat up a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's, it's so, so funny. And uh, 20-team dynasty, the Highlander dynasty, which is a highly competitive, like pretty much all-industry dynasty league. I dropped Marcelo Zuna two weeks ago. Mm-hmm, and then he goes course. on a heater. I was like, I mean, he was like a oh nine one 9 one average. I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm sick of this guy. Getting booed every single yes. time. Yeah. Like, terrible person. He's a, now he's terrible at baseball, too. Like, just get him off my roster. And then he goes on this tear, and it's like five home runs in one week, and he's sitting on the waiver wire when he could have been on my team. It's just... Oh, so bad. Did but... you bid?
1: Did you put in to try to get him back?
2: Yeah, I didn't get him last week. I bid, and it was almost <laughs> like I didn't. My conscience didn't want to let me bid, though. I was like, I just dropped him. I cannot bid on him. But yeah, I didn't get him, which is unfortunate a little
1: boot and rally there try to do that there but uh it didn't quite work out Uh, that's what happened with bailey Ober, except for the bad person part i mean (laughs) he might be a bad person i don't know but he's actually i think he's a good person i don't know uh but i lost out and it's just so frustrating when that happens are they content with those two like pilar and hilliard as are they content with those as their
2: rotation at dh in uh, left field i i don't know it's I think it's at this point a money thing. They're right near the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just not sure that they can afford to go out and trade for a high, which is also the concern with pitchers. It's like, all right, can they afford to go out and get like a high dollar pitcher? And yeah. I'm not sure that's the case if they want to, because.
1: Afford doesn't the right word though. Uh, yeah, it's my not. Opinion. Yeah. yeah. It's Liberty uh, Liberty Media Company here. Right. I mean, they're, they're loaded, but still. Yeah. Not want to pay the luxury yes, tax that's that's the thing.
2: that's the word we're looking for is want to yep like I said left field has been a complete just you know horrific mark on the team until yep. like like you said the last couple of weeks is just randomly turned around and whether that sticks or not i'd say probably doesn't stick but you know if it somehow does continue to work out then they'll roll with it i mean your guess is as good as mine there i don't See them going out and trading for somebody, and they don't really have any. They had somebody in Justin Henry Malloy, who they were actually grooming to play left field, and they traded him to Detroit for, uh, God, what's his name? Reliever? Oh, Jimenez. Um, yes, Joe Jimenez. Like I, I, everybody's like, oh, he's gonna be the closer. I'm like, uh, Joe Jimenez isn't good, but yeah, that's beside the point. But anyway, I liked Malloy a lot, and it was a tough transition. But they don't really have anybody waiting in the wings. So it's probably just kind of a you know fill the gap until we have another option. And like you said, unless they just randomly are able to get somebody on the cheap, like they find somebody that's still cost, which has a decent salary. And the cases of them being able to trade for somebody like that, like a good player that's serviceable in left field that doesn't have a big salary or, or slim considering what we talked about, just the, the lack of depth in the system – So it's kind of a weird spot for them to be in. And I'm guessing it's kind of plug and play as as long as they can. I mean, it's working. I mean, if that's your only hole in the lineup, then I'd say they're doing okay.
1: If only there was a history of the Braves trading for an outfielder right before the playoffs and having it (laughs) work out. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah, it still might. That that is like I do think that is it, they're like relief pitchers. Those are the two easiest things to trade for: corner outfielders and relief pitchers. So, you know, they'll get their this this year's version of Solera. Maybe they find a guy that maybe has a bad contract for that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, for a couple months, it may be something they're willing to do, not for a long term extension. That that might be the thing that they could uh, watch for there a little bit. Um.
2: All right. Um. Any other Braves issues
1: we should talk about before we move
2: on to Yuri Perez? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, Michael Harris hasn't been up to par so far, but I think he'll be fine. I mean, mm-hmm. injury coming back from it. Ronald Acuna's lighting the world on fire. I mean, yeah, he's he's returned every bit of value so far. Matt Olson struggling with strikeouts, but the power's there, and the strikeouts have trended downward. Austin Riley's kind of been a question mark. Like people have asked, like, you know, is he going to regress? And I don't think so. Like he was so consistent for so long, and he's going through a little slump and. Right, not quite earning that second round price right now, but yeah. I'd guess it we'll there. Yeah, I'd guess at end of season you you look back and he's hit thirty plus homers and probably has a two seventy average and it's like, all right, like you know he's fine. So even if he doesn't hit two eighty two ninety, you don't really need him to because the power is going to be there and the average will certainly come back. Sean Murphy's been phenomenal. Travis Darn knows back, but you can't sit a guy like this at this point. I know they were kind of. like mixing and matching at the beginning of the season but i mean i think they're gonna
1: leave murphy well enough alone now um
2: i remember the week one panic panic about
1: murphy like playing two out of five days or something at the start of the season and they were actually legitimate like should i cut murphy in one catcher leagues think you know and Darno saved everyone there by getting (laughs) cussed uh you know from making a huge awful mistake but uh Especially they paid Murphy. Of course they were going to play him. I mean, it was obvious.
2: And that's what I try to tell people. You don't make a trade like that and then sign him to an extension that they did to Mm -hmm. to sit him. I mean, maybe they were easing him in a bit, but like this is somebody that's going to play and get his plate appearances. And that's what you paid for. Like he got 612 plate appearances last year. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get 550 or more this year.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one there. All right, let's move on to the the prospect pitching prospect of the day of the week, uh Yuri Perez getting the call on Friday against the Reds, uh going to make his major league debut jumping straight from Double-A to the majors. Uh every week, Chris, I feel like we're having another elite pitching prospect getting called up. Not as many hitting prospects, but uh I'm I'm excited about Perez.
2: Yeah, it's been awesome to watch and see so many arms get the call. And you just have to think that the move that major league baseball made last year to give incentive to teams to call up prospects is actually working because we've seen more and more top prospects get the call much quicker than we would have imagined. And I mean, with Yuri Perez talking about somebody that's 20 years old, getting the call too, which is just wild. Um, I heard a stat, I think it was from JJ Cooper at baseball America that when he debuts tomorrow, at 20 years old and literally 27 days, like he just turned 20, that there will only have been, I think, three pitchers in this century that have debuted younger. And it was uh, Julio Urias, um, Edwin Jackson, and Felix Hernandez were the three. Wow. Which is just crazy. Combo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Poor so Edwin Jackson. Name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Never quite uh, hit that, but man, was he misused too. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. They, yeah, you know, Perez is even younger than Jose Fernandez was when he got the call, um, yeah. and he got the call really early. And he similarly jumped a level, a different different front office. But Marlins kind of are willing to do that.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, and I think it's even more interesting this year, especially for teams with guys in the Southern League, because. The double A Southern League, which is only eight teams, but they're experimenting with the the tacky ball. Mm-hmm. And so like they've pre-tacked these balls and it's some guys, some pitchers is actually hurt. Like we've seen hit by pitches like soar through the roof there. Really? But also some guys have added like seven inches of induced vertical break. Like Coleman Crow from the Angels, like just randomly got seven inches of induced vertical break, which doesn't happen. So an an arm like Yuri Perez is it's not an issue. Like he was already elite before. But I almost wonder like All right. So going from this ball now to the major league ball, like it may be in a little adjustment period and maybe not, but it's at least something to think about because, you know, he's been throwing with this super tacky ball in game. And there's been GMs that have said, like, we don't want our guys using this ball. Like Ben Brown with the Cubs, like Jed Hoyer just came out and said, he was like, we wanted to get Ben Brown out of double A as quick as possible. So they send the triple A's there. Like, we don't want him. Experiment with this ball, right? Right. It's, it's so funny.
1: We're trying to avoid the Southern League, but we're also trying to avoid the PCL. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you
2: just have to thread this <laughs> needle here.
1: Oh, you're gonna get straight from low A to the majors.
2: No, no, uh, yeah. yeah. But with Perez, like I, I have zero concerns about him coming in and just you know being a guy. And there may be some bumps along the way. I mean, it's a 20, somebody that just turned 20 years old, and yeah, I don't you think about what you were doing at 20 years old? Probably not pitching in the major <laughs> leagues. <so>. No. <laughs> it's, it's wild to just think this guy that just turned 20 last month is is going to be pitching, but he's been stellar. The Arsenal is the best of any pitching prospect called up, I'd say, next to Grayson Rodriguez. And probably, honestly, the Arsenal is better than Grayson Rodriguez at this point because Rodriguez, honestly, his stuff took a step back after his injury last year, and yeah. he's still trying to get that back. And Perez, just his stuff across the board is is so good. I'd argue that you're looking at four pitches that are plus or better. I mean, the fastball like is insanely good. Like he's gonna sit upper nineties. He may touch triple digits in his debut tomorrow when you see him. And he throws a I mean he throws a sinker extremely well. Like just across the board is what you want to see. He gets a ton of whiffs on his slider. The changeup's highly effective. It's like, okay, like this is a typical Marlins guy. Like he's he's got an elite changeup. It's honestly. It's a Sandy Alcantara, like, Arsenal, but that gets a lot more whiffs and a lot more strikeouts. I know when people hear that, it's not, like, super attractive. Obviously, he just won a Cy Young and uh, had an elite season, but he doesn't have the strikeouts. But with right. the arsenal similar, and Yuri Perez is going to get the strikeouts. Like, he's just blows hitters away. I think this is the arm that everybody's... Everybody's been blowing all the fab, but this is the arm that if you saved your money, like... I just don't think you call up a guy like this at 20 to only have a couple starts. And right. send him back down. It Why? I just don't see a reason to. Like, if you call, unless that he comes up and just really struggles, I think he's got stuff to work on. But what does he have to work on that he can't work on in the majors that he could work on in AAA, in my opinion? I mean,
1: yeah. And especially, and why call him up if he needed to? Right. I mean, I, I yeah. think that's the whole point. Uh,
2: Yuri Perez or Bryce Miller? You have to make that decision today. Uh, I I think I'd go with Yuri Perez. I love Bryce Miller's fastball's one of the best in the game already, but Yuri Perez has the more well-rounded arsenal because it's a true four-pitch mix. With Miller, you get the the fastball with the elite ride, the elite IVB at the top of the zone. Mm-hmm. But with with Yuri Perez, you're also you get that you get a good sinker, but you're also getting the curveball, the slider, the changeup and Miller throws a slider and cutter, but he's so fastball heavy. It's just, just the difference there. So I'd hedge my bets on Uri, even though I, I think Miller's going to be really good, but I think Perez is just a different level of any arm we've seen caught up this year.
1: I think t- uh, Taj Bradley fetched like $200 plus bids in the NFBC. Tanner Bybee was around 300 and we saw Miller go even Bryce Miller, even go higher. We got some, Clipped four hundred in some leagues. It was over three hundred all three of my main events uh, this past week. Is that where we're g- we should expect to see Yuri Perez go unless he blows up on Friday?
2: Yeah, I'd I'd say based on what we've seen from the other arms called up, they're just assuming that somebody has fab out there to spin, he's going to go for two fifty plus probably in every league. But obviously, a start's going to dictate that. I mean, he mm-hmm. could go for more. Like, if he goes out and yeah. shoves for six innings, <laughs> he could go for yeah. f- like 500 bucks, which would be would wild. you do that?
0: No, if he should,
2: I don't think I could throw that much on anybody
0: just uh-huh. because
2: it's like, obviously, I think he's going to be a really good arm, but I would have to have whiffed on everybody I tried to bid on prior to actually do that. And, and that may be the case. It's like, okay, like you have, let's say you have 900 plus bucks left and you need an arm. I mean, I personally wouldn't, but I could see it happening.
1: Yeah, I he's that see kind of
2: He's that good.
1: Yeah. What about the pitcher pitching prospects that haven't shoved yet? Brandon Fought, Gavin
2: Stone. Where are you on those guys? The fought's an interesting case. Uh, he he beat the PCL, which was a weird thing to do. Like he pitched in one of the most hitter friendly environments, and yeah, last year dominated. But honestly, this stuff has taken a step back this year, just overall. Like. He's not the same pitcher that he was last year. And I can't really tell you why. It's just location's not quite there. His fastball's always had a bit of concerns just because sure. it's like he he's 92 and a half. He's 93 and a half. Like, it's fine. But he sometimes, like, he he's home run prone. He misses over the plate. And we were like, okay, like home run prone, PCL, okay. But then right. he kind of took an even bigger step back this year in AAA. It's was like, all right. He went from 1.3 home runs per nine to 1.78 home runs per nine. And obviously, we know what's happened in the majors. Like, he's just got obliterated. He's five and a half home runs per nine. It's just insane. But I will say, I I didn't expect it to be this bad. But I also think the expectations had to be, like, he wasn't going to come in and be an ace. Like, that's just not who Brandon Fott was. Like, he's a, a durable innings eater that's right. going to just – you know consistently chew innings i mean last year he led the minors in innings by like 25 innings like he was just and he led the minor league in strikeouts by like 40 or 50 strikeouts and it was just because of the volume like it's kind of like a, a sandy alcantara game where it's like okay like he just he gets the strikeouts because he throws so many innings and i feel like that may be who brandon fought is long term and long term my opinion and outlook hasn't changed on him i think that there's like sp2 upside like he's a mid-rotation guy that throws a lot of innings but i think you have to be concerned for redraft like obviously the the hype of the call up was like okay like he's coming up like he's going to be the guy that arizona needs but then he hasn't been at all and there will be better days ahead but i'm not sure we see that immediately like and this was the week like okay like he went into texas for his first start like a really good lineup like hitter friendly ballpark but then this week he lined up for two starts, like he got Miami, and gosh, I forgot who he gets next. But it was like, okay, like this was a week where he should have came and performed. Home game against San Francisco. On that's Sunday. right. So San Francisco It's like okay, like that's a, a decent lineup. So like, right? Yeah, you. I, I saw the two starts. Like this should be a week where he comes out and does something. Maybe that's the case. Hopefully we see him perform against San Francisco. But yeah, I mean,
1: he, he won't face great. Jorge Soler. I mean, let's face <laughs> it. It was, it was Soler versus fought basically, and Soler won yeah. bigly. Uh, the, the, the first home run by Soler. Oh, my goodness. I had never seen yeah. a ball hit that
2: far in Arizona before. No, he, he mashed it. It was like the the World Series home run that he hit in game Oh, six. yeah. That's right. Just, That's right. Yeah. yeah Fun right. memories for you there. Yes. Yeah. I never forget that one. It's awesome memory. Uh, Stone's interesting. You mentioned Gavin Stone. Mm-hmm. He's, I, I don't know if he's a staple in the Dodger rotation just because yeah. they have so many arms. And, the, the difference thing in him is he's a, a changeup heavy guy, and he's almost a change-up-first pitcher at that. Kind of reminds me of Chris Paddock a bit, where Paddock came up and just kind of took the league by storm. And obviously Stone didn't do much of anything in his first start, but Paddock did this, and he was a change-up-heavy guy, and eventually the league adjusted, and he completely fell off. We know injuries kind of you know, messed with him too, but guys that are change-up-heavy, change-up-first are typically – we don't see Excel and Stone was arguably the best pitcher in the minors last year. He just absolutely dominated, but you have to wonder like, will major league hitters just adjust this because his fastball, you know, he's not going to blow hitters away with his fastball. And he really doesn't have a true like breaking pitch to go to, to get a, like a strikeout. He has a slider, but he doesn't throw it that often. He's so heavy change. Up. And that's, that's my concern with, with Gavin Stone yeah he's going to get more chances in this rotation like he's not written off by any means but i think there are reasons to to have a little bit of concerns about him long term especially sure. considering that you look at this rotation and they're healthy and they've got five guys they can rely on and, you know, what is Noah Syndergaard? We're not really sure, but. I was going to say four guys in a wiggle. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Noah Syndergaard. And, you know, Syndergaard left with a blister yesterday. So mm. uh, that's something to watch for. You know, the decision whether to put uh, him on the I.L. could come tomorrow with Thor. Um, that could open the door for Stone. Now, I don't know. It, uh, they sent Stone down on Friday last week. Mm-hmm. Has he pitched since getting sent down? I haven't. I haven't tracked that, actually, um...
2: to see what his schedule is like. Yeah, let's see. Let me pull up the game. I was on his profile and pull up the game log real quick. Um, he threw on Tuesday. Okay, he looked good. I mean, threw five and a third. One earned. He did walk four, which is not ideal in four K. Right. So,
1: um, yeah, we might still see Stone. Um, you know, and the thing is, Bobby Miller is another name we're looking mm-hmm. for yeah. on that team. Um, we did see uh, Grove, and we've seen We didn't get to see; He didn't make it to the opening day bell. Uh he's on the 60 day actually right now yeah. with Pepio. Uh Pepio is another one of those guys. Never could, he, he's got all this like you know movement on his pitches but he has no way to harness it.
2: Right. Bobby Miller may get the next crack and I know yeah he's only he's coming back injured like he's only thrown 5 innings this year and it wasn't good but Bobby Miller's stuff is is yeah. much better than Gavin Stone. Stone has much better command control but Miller has the stuff and I mean, we've seen plenty of other guys come up that are the stuff guys like Mason Miller and, and Bryce Miller, all the Millers. And, you know, there's stuff over command and it's worked. So it wouldn't shock me if Bobby Miller's up within the next month. I mean, if obviously if they go away from synagogue, if he goes on the IL, et cetera, it's possible Miller gets the next crack at it. And, you know, if yeah. Miller performs, he could run with that spot for sure.
1: Like to see one good outing from Miller before you think about that, because he was not good in his last outing, and he's only made two. Uh, That's the other thing. That might be what holds him back. But yeah, it's funny that the Dodgers have like options coming out of their ears. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really crazy
2: how deep this farm system is. It's wild. They they just do things that other orgs don't. I mean, they spend money at the top level, but they also have such elite scouting and development. They have arms out the wazoo. It's insane. Like they probably have like six or seven arms that you could argue are top one hundred pitching like prospects, just because they're right. they're that good. So yeah, it's uh it's nice to be a Dodgers fan. I'd say.
1: Yeah, I bet. Uh, Dustin May. You know, there's some buzz on baseball fantasy baseball Twitter about him because you know, hey, on the surface, four and one, two sixty eight ERA, point nine four WHIP. He's shoving great. Then you kind of dig into this the uh, K percentage, the swing strike rate, and you're like, eh, "Is there some danger here?"
2: He's such a weird one. He's like a pitching ninja darling. Like you right. watch him, and you're like, "This guy looks like he'd strike out forty percent of hitters just with the way his his pitches move." But he's never developed into that guy. And it al- all right. So he was felt like he was almost there. Yeah, in 2021 before he got hurt. It was like, okay, like he had a couple starts. He had five starts for the injury. He was striking out 37.5% of hitters. It was like, like he's got, all right. he's finally breaking out, right? And then he came back last year, late last season, and he just hasn't, we haven't seen the whiffs. And it's just back to kind of who he was been in that short 2021 sample of 2020 or 23 innings looks like an anomaly at this point, which is, Pretty wild to think when you look at his movement profile. When you watch him pitch, it's just like this guy should be just absolutely dominating. And he, I mean, like the surface numbers are always good, but the strikeouts right. are just not there. And it's just so wild to see when you just, if you watch him, it's like the numbers just don't really represent that. Like his horizontal movement on all of his pitches are just through the roof good. And so it's it's weird. I don't know if this will ever materialize. Honestly and, like
1: do you think some of that is because he's coming back from TJS you know awful. we so often see that like how long do you usually give a pitcher before like you expect him to be himself after coming back from TJS yeah.
2: I mean he's only what like 50 60 innings back I mean he threw so it's 70 he threw 30 last year coming back and then 40 this season I mean you've got to give him some time but again it just looks like who he was outside of that short 2021 sample and I don't know. I, maybe maybe we see him like mid season. It's like okay, like everything's clicking on all cylinders, and he looks like an ace. I mean, yeah, it's possible. It wouldn't surprise me. But like overall, it's like he's always had this movement. Like I would, like you look at his movement profile on Savant, It's like okay, he's not getting you know any less movement than he did prior. It's still there. Like look at the horizontal movement on his sinker, and it's. It's pretty much the same. Like he's got averages in eighteen point two inches of horizontal movement or run on it, and it's pretty much what he's always done. And then you yeah. kind of look at all the pitches, just kind of the same story. And I don't know. Like I don't want to label Dustin May as this guy. I mean, he's twenty five years old. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, but I do have to wonder if he just is a, a lower strikeout guy.
1: Yeah, it might be. Um There every once in a while you get a guy that throws that hard, that doesn't get the strike, uh, the strikeouts that he doesn't get strike three. Often they'll get ahead in the count. You know, my guy, I'm a Reds fan. Um, Homer Bailey used to be that way. You know, Mm -hmm. how he's got this great stuff. I can't wait to watch Homer Bailey pitch gets to one and two and just couldn't put him away. He just couldn't. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with, uh, may, you know, he had that little glimpse where we thought he might be there for that, but so far hasn't been that way. Uh, I'll, I'll close with this, Chris. Um, we're seeing Perez on Friday. We've seen so many other pitching prospects get called up. Who's the next guy if if you can preemptively pick somebody else up you think is going to get the call? Who would that be?
2: Mm. It's getting tougher and tougher as we've seen yeah. um, more and more called up. I think at this point, Ben Brown's name I mentioned previously with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. The Cubs don't have an active opening right now in their rotation, so, you know, he's one that's and I think a lot of people kind of chalked him up to saying, like, okay, he was a tacky ball, like and Ben Brown was good to end last year, but all right, he yeah. came out in the Southern League and was just like otherworldly good. But he's continued to do this in AAA in a okay. different environment. He faced uh, the Louisville bats yesterday, which is the lineup that has Ellie de la Cruz, Christian Carnacci on strand, Matt McClain and others. It's probably the best lineup in minor league baseball. And he struck out tenham, like just absolutely wow. dominant. So Brown has been Really, really good. I think Gavin Williams is another one. Williams actually just faced Louisville yesterday. I watched his start. Um, I think Brown faced him last week. But um, Gavin Williams with the Guardians, we've seen, obviously, they've called up uh, Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen. But Gavin Williams is another one who is just insanely good.
1: He, Looking forward to them. Yeah, for yeah, sure.
2: His velo's up even more. He 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 faced Ellie in his last um, at-bat of the sixth inning. He completed six innings. It is ninetieth pitch. I mean, that entire at bat, he threw five fastballs. He was still at ninety eight wow. every pitch. In, you know, he was
1: amped up for that that particular yes. confrontation yes. there. Yeah. Um, it by the way, can I tell you how arresting it is to hear about uh, Louisville having one of the best lineups in minor league baseball? I mean, <laughs> for the longest time, the Reds farm system is so barren in terms of like you know, and and and, and so unproductive at the upper levels. Like they're they're Louisville has been bad forever. Uh, and now they actually have all this talent bursting at the seams. At least uh, awesome. they all play infield.
2: Yeah, they're they going to have a, a good problem on their hand because they have too many infielders, and I often get asked that, like, where is he going to move? Or like, where are these guys going to move? Where are they going to play? I'm like, ah, that's a great question. They've got a lot to figure out there, and maybe some trades happen, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, that's a good problem to have when you have that much talent in the infield.
1: Who gets the call first? Who's most ready to get the call? Ellie, CES, or or uh, McLean?
2: McLean's probably the most advanced bat overall, just from a well-rounded standpoint. And I feel like the, the hole's there for him to join the big league team, like at shortstop. You know, he can play pretty much around the the infield time, and he mm-hmm. can play second, he could play play some third. But he's a middle infielder, so I think he could step in at short pretty easily. Um, I mean, obviously, Christian Arconasio on strand has just been insane. I mean, he had won like 473 tonight, I think, I saw, just <laughs> obliterated he could get the call too. I mean, he's got some other issues. He chases a lot. He's, but, and that's my, that was my concern with him coming the year. I'm like, all right, he had a 40% chase rate last year and made it work. I was like, surely he has to take a step back this right. year. He's running a 47% chase rate and he's just, I'm like, all right, is this is going to be he a guy that's at
1: everything. It's, it's amazing.
2: Yeah. Like maybe he's just a guy that makes it work and maybe I'll be wrong. So I honestly was like, I think he's a good sell in dynasty. Cause it's like, this profile is not sustainable when you make the contact he does and you chase like he does. But, like you said, maybe it's just something that works—a super aggressive swing, happy. But when he puts contact on the ball, it's going. So
1: I hope he's not Pedro Serrano. Uh, you know, <laughs> curveball bats are scared. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. But I mean, yeah, it was such a great story in spring training. You know, loved seeing it there. Some of the balls that he hit were just oh. Ridiculous. The sound coming off of his bat. It's, it's, it's intoxicating. It's different. Uh, Got a question on Twitter from Jack. He asks, uh, could Dylan Lee get
2: stretched out for the Braves? I mean, he looked, like you said, he's looked good. He hasn't pitched in that role in a while. They may could build him up to potentially do that. It it may be like, all right, you're going to go two innings for a couple outings, maybe get you to three. I'm not sure we ever see him in like a, full starter workload load but he like said he went two and two-thirds he faced nine batters yesterday so it's not crazy to think that he goes three and three and then maybe mm-hmm. it's four the next time out I was trying to look the last time that he actually went beyond three innings in a game I mean last year he was pretty exclusive at the bullpen he had a couple two inning bullpen stints he had a two I see a two and two-thirds inning last year the very beginning of the season yeah so I mean, it's not crazy to think like that he could do it. So maybe good we see a pitcher. Yeah. 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 He could, he
1: might can make it work. Yeah. I mean, they used him as the opener yesterday that may be kind of a precursor. We'll see. I mean, yeah. especially if they find Dodd and Schuster wanting. I mean, the fact is, somebody has to start, somebody yeah. has to eat these innings up. Um, yeah. They're not just going to eat themselves, unfortunately. But that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Although it's nice that they had the five game schedule this week. Um, Worked out. I mean, the timing was pretty good for them as far as that goes. Uh, Guys, we- Big thanks to Chris for coming on with us today. Make sure you give him a follow at Roto Clegg C L E G G. You can see it right there. If you're streaming with us, listen to him on the Toolshed Podcast. Read him on the Dynasty Dugout. Read him on uh, also at Fancy Pros. Uh, anywhere else, Chris, that I'm missing out?
2: I do a little work for Sox prospects as well. They're oh, yeah. high affiliates here in Greenville, so I do some scouting with them and write some scouting reports up for them. So I do some work over there occasionally. So it's always fun. I'm I love being at the ballpark. So find me there, there you pretty go. often. <laughs>
1: Very good. Very good. Chris, this is a joy. I I thank you so much for coming on board today.
2: No, thank you. It was a pleasure, Jeff. Always enjoy chatting with you.
1: All right. Very good. Thanks to everybody to for chiming in on the chat. I love seeing the active communication in there, especially with you guys bantering back and forth Uh, coming up tomorrow two start starters. We got clay and Todd for that. Thanks again for listening to the RotoWire fantasy baseball podcast. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile